With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With reports direct from Melbourne courtside and from our offices in New York City, it's the Australian Open edition of the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey everyone, Tennis.com podcast, Australian Open edition. I'm Ed McGrogan here in New York talking with Steve Tigner in Melbourne. The semifinals are set on both sides. Uh, today was three, the uh, last of the quarterfinal matches. Uh, all of them completing in straight sets, uh, though I, I wouldn't say really any of them, um, possibly aside from Murray, were, you know, what you typically say is straight sets really convincing wins, even though the scores may suggest otherwise. I think that was kind of a theme in a lot of your writings today, Steve. So um, why don't we start maybe at the top with the women's with Petra Kvitova and Maria Sharapova going through, and they'll meet in the semifinal. Yeah, neither of these matches were, neither of these wins were um, all that impresses, impressive, except that they were wins, and they were both in straight sets in the quarters of a slam. Um, Kvitova beat Sarah Rani, a sort of semi-unknown player, who's a tough player, makes a lot of shots, fit. Um, and Kvitova, of course as I think we can say she always will, had her ups and downs, um, tr- you know, great moments where she was clearly, you know, I mean, she was clearly the better player overall, but moments when Arani couldn't challenge her and then moments when Kvitova just missed and seemed to lose all of her confidence and then she got it all back. Sharapova, she, um, against Makarova, she was also the superior player, hit the ball harder. She had a, one interesting stat was the amount of forced winners or forced error, sorry, she forced um, Makarova into 25, whereas she, Sharapova herself, only had nine. So she was pretty obviously, if she wasn't hitting outright winner, she was controlling, dictating things. But at the same time, there were there were hiccups there. She choked at the end. Uh, she continues to throw in some double faults. Though she has her serve, she's controlled her serve and um, is using, using it well. She hit some uh, important aces, but that match was... You know, a little closer than it, than the scores would indicate, and it could have turned. You know, had it at the at the end when Sharapova tried to hold it at hold, um, hold to finish the match, she um, she missed a few shots, and it sort of started to look like we were going to get into another WTA, you know, through three set roller coaster, but um, it didn't happen. So now those two play, which is a rematch of the of the Wimbledon final. Yep. And the the later match that uh, that happened just today that goes along with this theme of um, you know a deceivingly straight sets win was Novak Djokovic he beats David Ferrer um, I was sort of surprised this ended in straight sets regardless really of how Novak uh, you know how his form was there was a little bit of an injury that 
um, really made it look like this was going to go a lot longer than three. Um, but what ended up happening was just really the uh, the first and second sets just kind of came little mini battles of their own. Djokovic fought through them both, and um, you know, really kind of after that point, it wasn't too uh, too much more to get the eventual win. So, so what out of that match did you uh, kind of take away from uh, Novak specifically? Yeah, it's true. When you think back, that that was a straight setter. After all of that, all of the, um, the sort of worry and and um, well, it starts out with you know, three games that take 22 minutes, and it looks like Djokovic is already gassed by the time they're changing. By the time he's sitting down for the first time for the first changeover, and he even said that by the end of the first set, he was he was pretty exhausted. That took an hour, and it was typical Ferrer uh, long rallies, grinded out tennis, Djokovic. In that set, it appeared he got a break, but it but um, Ferrer had a break point at when Djokovic uh, served it out at five four. Djokovic was was sort of struggling at that point, but um, but he pulled that game out, held serve. You know that that shows some of the basic confidence he still has in himself. He hit a hit a forehand winner to end that set. Second set, he he pulls something um, with his leg, his hamstring. He he uh, he grabbed it. He said afterward that he he wasn't hurt. He was just more congested and and tired to the match, less about the injury. Whether he's bluffing or not, was you know we don't know. But uh, it, but that set looked even more uh, even shakier. Djokovic um, struggled to hold twice in the middle of that set. Uh, played a terrible game to get broken to go into the tiebreaker. Was down two four in the tiebreaker. But um, then, you know, the, sort of their histories took over. Djokovic is, has a really good record in tiebreakers, one of the best ever. And Ferrer has a very, for a top player, a really bad record in tiebreakers. He gets nervous during them. He's a losing career record with, in breakers, which is amazing for a guy who's number five in the world. And he just fell apart. He made three errors in the last four points. And that was really it. You know, Djokovic felt, you could see at that point, he felt like he, he kind of got out of jail. And Never. He won the third six one, but but um, but yeah, you're right. It, it's that was a strange straight setter. Yeah, for uh, you know Djokovic, a player who has always been liberal with calling the trainers and everything, it was very surprising to me that he didn't um, you know he didn't do it at that point in the second set too. At a minimum, really, just give him a little bit of time to recuperate there. There was it was more the hamstring was what was what the injury was. That was what you saw. Yeah, that's what he grabbed. He said he didn't say anything about any, you know, about an injury afterwards. I think he didn't want to reveal anything. What you know, if he does have something, he didn't want to reveal it. But that's what he, that's what he grabbed, and that's what he seemed to be favoring. Kind of shuffled around for a few games, but he, he didn't have any trouble moving. He made some great defensive plays in the next couple of games after he hurt himself. So it was it's kind of mysterious. What what I eventually thought of with the match was we, was strange that Djokovic seemed. To be mentally down, um, sort of burdened, and didn't even didn't really want look like he wanted to be out there. Was seemed to be expecting the worst in the for a lot of the first two sets, and that's sort of the way he looked for for the third and some of the fourth sets against Hewitt. But the same thing happened. He kind of relaxed in his hitting and and started to play better just by kind of hitting out and and playing. Loose as if he had, you know, didn't have anything to lose. He started to, he has this ability that, that seems to be when he, when he feels worse, he kind of lets it rip 
and he has a kind of a unique ability to be more accurate when he's like that, and then that gets him out of trouble. That's happened to him in the last two matches. So, so that is it. Would be an interesting, you know, as an opponent, you don't know what to think. It's like when the guy gets down, that's when he's at his most dangerous. I guess that's one of the only only ways you can explain is just you know, unbelievable start last year and all the matches that he got through it. You know, that is a very true point about what he's able to do. Um, the the player who maybe he withholded that withheld that information from specifically is Andy Murray because he's going to face him in the semifinals. It's a rematch of last year's final. And let's close by talking about Murray. Um, maybe not so much his match today with Nishikori. It, um, it, you know, it was a, it's kind of as we expected. Nishikori came in off of um, a, a long five-setter with Sanga. He was clearly the underdog, you know, regardless of, of the circumstances of this match. Murray took care of it. Um, and we've obviously seen this uh, this song from Murray before really kind of getting people's hopes up a lot. And, and I mean, I'll be the first one to admit it. He, he does the same thing. He's done the same thing to me. I mean, it's for me I, in sports when, when a player still has that, uh, you know, that motivation that he hasn't won that big title. I think that's a very big force in, in athletes. And I, I always feel like, you know, with that in the mind, in his mind, he's always gonna be shooting for it and, and trying to get it and trying to get it. And, and I feel like he's going to break through, but it really just has never happened when we thought it was going to. And so I'm wondering kind of your thoughts on, on really Murray going into this match with Djokovic. This is his first, you know, really big test with Lendl at his side, and we're probably going to get a lot out of this match, no matter how it turns out. Yeah, um, it's tough. You know, so many times, you know, I've picked him to win, I think, a couple of U.S. Opens, and he's he's bombed out both of those times, and I've decided I wouldn't pick him or really expect him to win again, no matter how he was playing. And that, I felt like that held true at last year's Australian Open, um, when he when he totally froze, he was a little bit injured. I think in the final against against Djokovic. So I don't have any reason, despite how well he's playing and solid he looks, and, and he's got Lendl's the new force. I don't have any evidence to say that he should beat Djokovic. You know, we've seen Djokovic. Now we've seen Djokovic win. Still, never seen Murray win. Um, so obviously he could do it, but I. I can't pick that because I just can't. I can't really. I guess I can't really picture it. So, so I you know I still take Djokovic in that in that semi. Okay, and last thing tonight, uh, we just did uh, while we're while we're here, Federer and Nadal. Uh, just what's your thoughts on that one? Um, I, you know, I think we said last night that the form is pretty even. Maybe Federer's. I would say until the last set of the Burdich match, Federer's was better, but. But now, after that last set that Nadal played, he looked, you know, about at his best as well. Uh, I would just go back to the to the career record, and um, and just the idea that 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 psychologically, Federer has 17 losses to Nadal, and just the, in the big matches in general um, at the Slams, Nadal's won. So I would take the dog just because of that all right okay we'll talk after the uh, that semifinal both women's tomorrow as well uh, that'll be the next podcast for steve tigner i'm emma grogan thanks for listening you've been enjoying tennis.com's weekly podcast thanks for listening for all the latest news and events head over to tennis.com 